On this episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast, how to shop for fabric. Whether you have been sewing for your entire life or are new to sewing and just getting started, where and how to shop for fabric in order to get the right fit for your project or the best deal or exactly the right amount is a question that never goes away. I'm your host, Deborah Mobies. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. With weekly videos, more than 250 videos in our archive, PDF download sewing guides, sew-alongs, community, and teams, come and find your people at the League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of dressmakers.com. time I sold fabric retail, um, which involved going to industry events and selecting fabrics that had recently been released and choosing which ones I would carry in the shop, um, curating a collection really, and making some evaluations about what was most likely to appeal to retail shoppers. That was, uh, <laughs> it was actually easier than shopping for myself believe it or not. Um, because a lot of quilting fabrics, quilting cottons, are sold as collections. So I could just say, I'll have that whole collection and very easily stock up on large quantities of fabric. When I'm purchasing for myself, though, I have a bunch of other questions I have to ask before I know what to pick and how much of it I might want. So in this episode, I'm talking about the sort of semi-conscious evaluations that most of us who sew are making when we go shopping for fabric. I think a lot of this is most useful for somebody who's brand new to sewing, but I've worked pretty hard to ensure that there are some tidbits in here, even if you've been sewing your entire life. Um, and I hope that as you listen, you will make more conscious the decisions that you are making, the ways in which you are making those evaluations about what to buy um, so that you can uh, refine your shopping technique, let's say. Um, I don't know that I ascribe any longer to the idea of having an enormous fabric stash. I really think that I am beginning, and I, I don't want to oversell this, uh, but I do think I am beginning to have um, an internal desire, an internal drive toward sewing through the fabric I've been storing so that I have less on hand and eventually um, only buy fabric for a particular project. You know, kind of like, um, like I was thinking when I got back from the grocery store today, I was thinking about how, at least in the movies, you know, um, how we um, characterize European shopping for groceries versus American shopping for groceries. That when we picture a Parisian woman heading up to her pied-à-terre and she's carrying her grocery bag, it is groceries for tonight's dinner, right? She's got a baguette. It's not even like wrapped up. It's just like a naked loaf of bread. She has a head of lettuce. She's got, you know, just the fresh sausage made this morning. She has exactly what she's going to prepare for dinner that evening and nothing more versus Americans who we really think in terms of like stocking the pantry um, having pantry staples on hand. I feel like how I shop for fabric is moving in that 
direction. And I, I do want to be transparent that um, that that transition is number one, it's new to me, and number two, it is in development. So I'm talking today about how to shop for fabric from the perspective of someone who has historically bought a lot of fabric, <laughs> either for myself um, or for a retail sewing establishment. The first question I think it's relevant to ask, and this is not, I don't know, I don't know, where do you start when you buy fabric? Most of us, I think, start with, ooh, pretty. Um, completely valid place to start. Ooh, pretty has bought me a lot of beautiful fabric and made me a lot of beautiful garments. It has made me some incredible quilts simply because I saw a fabric that I thought, oh, um, the quilt that is in my sunroom right this second is from my second book, Stitch Savvy. And the backing for it was an Anna Maria Horner print that I just, the instant I saw it, I thought, I, I, that is the thing I didn't know my life was lacking. And every single day when I look at that quilt, which is to say when I pick it up off the floor where my children left it and fold it again, I am enamored all over again by that print, by the colors, by the design, by the way it makes me feel. Um, it, it, that, it, buying a piece of fabric because you think, oh, pretty, totally valid. If, however, you want to have a, a plan, a strategy in place for how to shop for fabric, start by asking yourself the question, is this for a specific project? That's the question that I think doesn't get asked super often. Um, because I, that, it makes like a flowchart in your head. Uh, am I shopping with a project in mind? Am I shopping not with a project in mind? So regardless of whether you are doing one of those two things, you have a certain number of places where you can shop for fabric. But the section of those stores that you will enter will be informed by whether or not you're there with a particular project in mind. If I'm shopping specifically because I've discovered a quilt pattern that I love, then I'm going to go to probably an independent quilt shop near me, like my local quilt store. If I have a very specific garment pattern in mind, I might go to a dead stock retailer. And we'll talk more about that in a second, what a dead stock retailer is. Um, if I don't have one of those in mind, I might go online shopping or I might go to an independent fabric store that I know carries quilting cottons and garment fabrics. Um, I might, you know, find my fabric in non-traditional places like a thrift store or an estate sale. So uh, whether or not I walk into the shopping experience with a project in mind helps inform where I go, the level of intentionality that's there. shopping for fabric, you have a, a limited number of options for where you go. You can go to a chain store, and this would be like a Joanne Fabric or a Hobby Lobby kind of a situation. Hancock is largely out of the picture at this point. Um, but a, a, a large chain store is going to have, generally, a fairly wide selection. But in my experience, the quality is slightly lower. Right, they're working at volume. They've got a lot of fabric, 
but it isn't necessarily the best fabric you can get. Um, after that, you could go to an independent fabric store, which is like your local quilt shop. Um, lots and lots of local quilt shops are carrying fantastic garment fabrics these days. Some of the fabric manufacturers who have historically made only quilting cottons or quilting fabrics are now making a lot of garment fabrics. I really like Robert Kaufman for that as a manufacturer, and a lot of independent quilt shops will carry a wide range of Robert Kaufman fabrics and and Michael Miller and you know a lot of the others where they've got you know denims or rayons or linens or things like that. So, um. A local quilt shop can very often meet your garment fabric needs um, in the same way that a chain store might. Chain stores have more availability. You know, they're, a lot of them are national brands, and not every geographic region has a local quilt shop, just like right there. Um, but I, I always like, you know, a local quilt shop is owned, I mean, it's owned by a person. <laughs> it's owned by, by an individual who lives there in your community. And, and so I always love spending my money there, if at all possible. Um, you can also shop online, obviously, both of those options, both the, the national chain stores and the local independent quilt shops will almost always have an online shop. Some of the online shops, though, are online only. Um, and there are some great ones that do that. Etsy used to be this amazing clearinghouse for online fabric shopping. But uh, I use Etsy now that if I if I go to Etsy to look for fabric, it's because I have one very specific fabric that I'm looking to get more of. So I found a print somewhere and I really love it and I need another fat quarter of that print. So I will, you can look on the selvage of your fabric and it will have um, it'll have the manufacturer or the designer or sometimes the name of the print. Sometimes it'll have a serial number there. All of that information from the salvage of your fabric is searchable. And a lot of it will come up in an Etsy search. It'll definitely come up in a Google search. And so you can find some of these online-only shops where some of the big advantage is that they, because they're online only, it's a smaller operation. And they may have a piece of fabric that you're struggling to find that you couldn't get anywhere else, which how great is that, right? So um, so I do love, I, I love the online shops. Uh, my first choice is always a local fabric store. After that, I, I love online shopping. Um, I really love dead stock retailers. Dead stock is a really specific fabric term that refers to fabric created for a fashion design label that ended up not being used. So maybe they order, let's say, let's say it's Prada and they are making linen pants for spring 2024, whatever. And so they order in increments from the manufacturer, the fabric mill. They order fabric in these huge, they don't get bolts like we might get. They get these giant rolls and they order these huge rolls and they have to order in thousand yard increments. And I'm just ballparking that. Um, let's say Prada orders. 10,000 yards of forest green, no, let's call it load and green linen for these pants. And they sell however many units of pants they sell. And then they end up with 486 yards of leftover linen. And it's this very specific color that happens to be the color of the season. And so they're not going to use it next season. Rather, they will remainder it. Sort of like, how many of you worked at a bookstore? I did. And when paperbacks don't sell at bookstores, they get remaindered. 
which means they turn the actual pages into pulp. And the retailer rips off the front cover and sends it back to the publisher for a store credit. But the rest of it gets tossed out. Fabric retail, or I'm sorry, fashion designers don't want to do that if they can avoid it. They don't want to pulp leftover fabric. They don't want to discard it. If you are at all concerned about the sustainability of home sewing, then I definitely recommend looking into where fabric goes when it gets thrown away. A lot of it's not great. And so I, I really appreciate that there are some high-end designers who are looking for ways to avoid like just tossing out the leftovers. Instead, they will sell it, these remaindered bolts, to resellers who specialize in dead stock fabric. Um, and if you go to my website, whip-stitch.com, linked to this podcast episode, you can find links to my favorite dead stock retailers because there are a few that, whew, I mean, you talk about going in shopping without a plan. Dead stock fabric is, um, is my kryptonite. There are a couple retailers. EmmaOneSock.com is the, the biggest one I can think of off the top of my head where I just get into trouble. Every time, if I don't have a plan, <laughs> I'm headed that way and I'm buying everything they've got. Some of these fabrics are things that are so unique and so special that it's very difficult to find something of that quality anywhere else. And it, it's also very hard to sew with because they're so special that sometimes I put all this pressure on myself where I can't cut into that. I paid you know, uh, what's the most I've ever paid per yard for fabric? I think I paid $62 a yard. That is a true story for um, for a remaindered, a dead stock fabric, garment fabric. It was a metallic shot boucle, a wool boucle shot with metallic thread. And it is amazing. It is amazing. It was worth every penny of what I paid for it. But the, yeah, that is, uh, that is a lot of money. So um not all dead, stocks dead stock fabrics cost that much. A lot of them are way, way, way cheaper than that. Super affordable. Um, and you feel like you are doing good and doing well by purchasing them because um, almost every dead stock retailer is, again, an individual. It's just like a person who, who goes out and hunts through these bins of, of remaindered fabrics and, and finds the really juiciest ones and puts them on their website and ships it to you. Non-traditional places to find fabric for, with which to sew. Um, I really like thrift stores. You can get, I mean, you can get vintage bed sheets at thrift stores, but you can sometimes stumble on a real find, uh, actual, quote unquote, actual uh, sewing fabric that was, I mean, it was produced for sewing. And there it is, just folded up at the thrift store. Oversized men's shirts have been a great resource for finding fabric for quilts or for children's clothing or for uh, refashioning a garment. Estate sales, oh, you can get some treasures at an estate sale. Somebody has spent their lifetime loving sewing and they've moved on to the great beyond and left behind the things they didn't have a chance to get to. And you are their opportunity to give those fabrics new life. So you know, you're really letting those fabrics live out their destiny by finding them at an estate sale. Uh, my sewing machine, when I very first started Whip Stitch back in 2007-ish, um, my sewing machine I purchased off eBay from an estate. Um, a woman named Sandra, Sandra, 
we always say her name as if the angels are singing it. Um, her son was selling some of her belongings after she passed away. And had that not happened, Whipstitch would not be here now. It really was, she has been an incredible inspiration. And if I had not gone looking for a sewing machine and discovered what was included in her estate, I wouldn't be here now. So I, I still maintain that estate sales are this, just this incredible opportunity, not only to find fabric, but also supplies and notions and to connect with someone else's story in a way that can become inspiring and beautiful. It just brings me a lot of joy. A short pause to let you know that if you'd like to learn more about how to shop for fabric, including shopping online, shopping in-store, shopping from remnants, or shopping internationally, we can meet all of those needs at the League of Dressmakers. We have video series covering a whole range of topics about sewing, starting with how to sew and thread your sewing machine and heading all the way through more complicated topics. Come find your team and your people at the League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of dressmakers.com. So, so let's say we're going into sewing and we do have a plan. We have a pattern. We have a project in mind. Um, where I shop, chain store, independent fabric store, local quilt shop, online shop, dead stock retailer, thrift store, estate sale, like where I shop for that fabric is informed by the type of project that I'm doing, right? That will also inform what type of fabric I'm going to look for in the same way that if I'm, you know, doing my sixth grade research project, I don't walk into the school media center and just start pulling stuff off the shelf. You really do have to narrow, narrow your scope enough to make your searches profitable um, in order to make sense of them. So let's say that, you know, for the sake of argument that I go into uh, into fabric shopping specifically with a garment sewing project in mind. We'll save quilt projects for a few minutes for down the road. Let's say I'm going in with a, with a garment project in mind. So I go into a store and let's, uh, for the purpose of, of inclusion, like, you know, make it the most accessible we possibly can, I'm going to go to a chain store. And I need to start by determining how much fabric I need right? Do I need just a little bitty bit or do I need a lot? Because those actually live in different parts of the store. And I think a lot of the time somebody would say, well, you have to figure out what kind of fabric you want, do you? Um, maybe you don't. Because, and here's why. If I just need a little bitty bit of fabric, um, I can get that without having to go through all the fabric in the store. I can go to a bin of pre-cut fabric of fat quarters, which is a, a you know 18 by 22 piece of fabric, or half yards. I can find those already pre-cut and it narrows down my options. So if you are someone who's new to sewing and you feel overwhelmed, you just think, I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know if I want to be here right now. I'm totally freaked out. Starting with smaller cuts, pre-cuts of fabric 
may actually alleviate some of that pressure for you because there are just fewer options available when it comes to pre-cuts. Let's say that's not you though. Let's say you don't feel overwhelmed by the sheer quantity of options available, but rather you really want to get the right fabric for this particular project, right? Or for our hypothetical, you're sewing a garment and what you need is yardage of fabric, right? Well, how much yardage do I need? The pattern envelope will tell you that. Um, there are charts on the back of the sewing pattern envelope and they will tell you if you are this size in the pattern, which is to say if your body measurements correspond to these measurements in the chart, and I always recommend if you are, um, hardly anybody fits one size, you know, like the size 12 says, I don't know, 36, 27, 36 is the size 12 in the pattern, and you happen to be 39, 27, 35, right? Um, you're more of a Christina Hendricks shape. Uh, and so that you're not a straight size 12. If you select the larger pattern size in order to shop for your fabric, you are guaranteed you will have enough for any pattern alterations you have to make, right? So I don't consider that a hack, um, but I feel like that's something people don't tell you when you go shopping for a fabric, right? Well, you get the amount of yardage that the chart says for your size, but I'm not only one size. I fall into more than one size. So what do I do then? Well, what you do then is you buy the yardage for the larger size. You buy the yardage for the size that corresponds to your largest measurement. So if you have a larger hip, like let's say your measurements are 35, 30, 40, right? Bust is 35, waist is 30, hips are 40. And there, there is no one size that corresponds to those measurements, which means you're going to customize the pattern pieces to your body, which is why we sew in the first place, a lot of us. Um, so you're going to look at that 40-inch measurement for the hip because that is the largest measurement. And you are going to read across the chart to the, the yardage indicated for that size, even though you know you don't need that size at the bust and waist. Because if you get the amount of yards required to fit the largest part of your body, you are guaranteed to have enough yardage for your entire project, right? Sometimes that's really relevant as well because you might have a pattern piece for a garment that only fits on the fabric in a certain way. And if you get fewer linear inches, less yardage of that fabric, the pattern piece doesn't fit quite right. So we wanna make sure that you do that. The other thing you're looking for in this chart, this yardage chart on the back of your pattern envelope, is the width of the fabric. Um, fabrics are milled, that means they, they come off a loom, you know, just like, just like at the, the Ren Fair. They come off a loom, they are milled and they come in pretty standard sizes. In the European market, so this would be the UK or France primarily, uh, a little bit in Australia, you might get a narrower size. There's like a 32 inch size width. We do not see that super often. Japan has a 32. We do not see that super often in the United States. Our two primary widths of fabric are a 44 slash 45 inch, or a 55 slash 60 inch. 
those are the two most common widths on the bolt. Because most of those fabrics, when they are finished being milled, when they come off the loom, they are put on a cardboard bolt for shipping. They are folded in half before they go on that bolt, which means the bolt is 22 inches wide or 30 inches wide so that the fabric can fit folded in half. So when you go into the store, you're not gonna see a five foot wide piece of fabric. You're going to see a bolt that's 30 inches tall. Next, we're gonna look at the content of the fabric, which is to say what type of fiber makes up this fabric. Cotton is the most common. 100% um, cotton is what we're really looking for. I'm a huge advocate for using 100% natural fibers whenever possible. Uh, my experience over and over is that natural fibers behave more predictably. That there are lots of poly blends out there, and there was very briefly, kind of in the 2010s, there was this um, designer moment where they were trying to bring back polyester, and I feel like it didn't catch on. Uh, and I don't think that is because polyester is intrinsically bad. A lot of polyester fabrics, like fleece, have become just a, an accepted part of our everyday wardrobes. A lot of your um, exercise wear, your dry fit, all of those things, they're all made out of polyester fibers um, or some sort of recycled fiber. And the fact that it can be recycled is very appealing. But for my sewing, and this has been the argument I've, making, I've been making for about 20 years, um, is when I'm sewing, I'm not just touching the fabric in the way that I will be when I'm wearing it. I'm touching it with my fingertips the whole time. And I want that entire experience to be as pleasant and enjoyable as I can make it. So I'm much more selective about picking fabric when I'm shopping for it than I might be when I find a ready-made garment that appeals to me because it is such a tactile experience. I want all of it, process and product, to be something I really enjoy. So for me, um, natural fibers fits the bill there and doesn't let me down. Polyester fibers, while again, not intrinsically bad, they haven't been as successful for me in meeting that desire. And so I, I look at the content of the fabric and start evaluating, like, how does this, how does this fit into the garment that I'm making and what I want to experience? Again, on the back of your pattern envelope, for our hypothetical, we are making a garment and we have the pattern in our hand at the store. So I know I need four yards of 44 inch fabric. Um, on the back of that pattern envelope, there will be suggested fabrics. So the, the manufacturer, the designer, the whoever made this pattern, McCall's, Vogue, um, you know, True Bias, you know, whatever, whatever pattern manufacturer you've got this from, they're going to say, here are the fabrics that will work best with this design. It helps narrow down your options. Um, and especially with independent pattern designers, my experience has been they list fabrics that they made samples out of. So it's actually kind of a tires have been kicked situation where they'll say, you know, it's a, it's a floaty A-line tank top. This is not a time for canvas, right? It's just not going to make the shape you want it to make. This is a time for a linen rayon blend. This is time for a rayon chalet. This is time for a double gauze, right? So you'll get some insight 
from the person who created the pattern shape and pattern pieces into what types of fabrics are best suited to that shape. As you move along in your sewing, you will come to a place where you can accept or reject their suggestions. So let's say it is a flowy A-line tank top, but you have a vision for, I don't know, a Halloween costume, a statement piece, a runway show, where you want to use an extraordinarily crisp, thick denim with the same pattern pieces. Because you know if you do that, it's going to stand away from the body and maintain that shape and not get all drapey. That's cool. That's cool. But until you have enough experience under your belt, it can be really difficult to predict how a different fabric might behave with a particular pattern piece, with a particular garment shape. And so it's useful to follow the advice of the pattern maker until you get more experience. All right, so let's say we are making a drawstring shift, like a, a sort of A-line tank dress style that's got a drawstring waist. And it's summery, sort of beachy. It's not very fitted. Um, and it calls for four yards. I'm going to purchase a rayon, which is, in fact, funny enough, a man-made fiber. Rayon was invented in the 1940s to replace silk that was no longer available because it was being utilized to make parachutes for the soldiers. That's your fun, fun historic fabric fact for the day. Um, I adore rayon. The ones that were out when I was in college, you know, in the 90s, um, are not... They're, they're, they weren't as good as they are now. They really have improved the milling to uh, such a degree that they no longer shrink in the way they used to. Now we've got these washable rayons. I just, I just love the way they behave. Um, so let's say, so I've gone in, I've got my pattern envelope for this flowy maxi dress with a drawstring waist, and I'm going to get myself four yards of rayon, right? The next thing I'm going to look at is the origin and care. This is all going to be on a label. So if I'm looking at this cardboard bolt, imagine a rectangle that's 30 inches long and, um, I don't know, six or eight inches wide and about an inch deep. And it's got the fabric rolled around it on this cardboard bolt, this rectangle. On the end of that bolt, the skinny end, the short end that is exposed, it's not wrapped up in fabric, there's a sticker. And that sticker has all this information. It will tell you how many inches wide it is, what the fiber content is, where it was manufactured, what who the manufacturer is, what brand it is, um, how to take care of it. Is this dry clean only? Is this hang to dry, you know, hand wash? It, you know, what is it? You're going to find all that information there. There is often also a barcode there. So let's say, for example, I go in to get four yards and I bring it home and I have a new puppy and my puppy eats it and I need more. But I don't remember what it was called and I can't find my receipt like I would have kept that. If you have maybe taken a photograph of the bolt end, you have that information and you can just go back to the store and get the same thing over again or you can order it online or you can, you know, I've got, I've absolutely got enough to make this dress everything's great, but it turns out it has pockets and I didn't get enough for pockets and I just need a little bit more. Well, you can go online with the information from the bolt end and find a little bit more. And um, so I, the, one of the places that I think gets overlooked is the idea of looking on that bolt sticker to determine what the care 
instructions are for the fabric. They really, it really is printed there, <laughs> but a lot of people never look. So this is your opportunity to determine, like, is this 100% wool? And if it is, how do I clean it? Is it directly? It'll say it right on the label. Um, and that makes your job a lot easier for the finished garment because we're always going to prepare our fabric the way we are going to care for the finished garment. And I want to know how to care for the finished garment down the road so that it will really last. All right. So here we are. We've got our, we've got our four yards of fabric. We've got our four yards of 100% rayon and it is cold wash, tumble dry because that was on the label. I know exactly how much I need because I've used my largest body measurement in order to check the chart on the pattern envelope and select how many yards I needed. I go to the cutting table and I have that cut and it's folded up and I'm ready to go. Yes? So rewind just a little bit. Um, what if I don't have a project in mind? I've gone through this entire process of how do I shop for fabric, right? I start with a project in mind. Because I know the garment I want to make, I can select what source to look at. Do I want to shop online? Do I want to shop at a chain store? Do I want to shop at an independent fabric store? Do I want dead stock? Do I want an estate sale? Look. Because I know what I'm making, I can choose what store to go to. Once I'm at the shopping destination, I can determine how wide the fabric is based on the chart on the back of the envelope. It's gonna tell me how many yards for a particular width. Yes, I'm gonna select the size so that I can use the chart in a way that gives me meaningful information. I can determine what blend or um, fiber type I wanna utilize. I can look at the origin. Maybe it came from, you know, maybe it came from China and I don't feel great about that right now. Or maybe it came from, you know, Bangladesh. A lot of very high quality fabrics come from Korea or Japan. Maybe I know an awful lot about the manufacturing process. And so I have preferences for where my fabrics are made. Um, so I can narrow down, narrow down, narrow down using all of these criteria, where to shop, what with the fabric, how many yards I need, what the fiber content is, what the care requirements are, what the origin of the fabric is. I can narrow down my selections using those criteria until eventually I land on a single fabric. I mean, after a certain point, it becomes about aesthetics. Do you like the print? Do you like the color? Does it you know, bring out the best in your skin tone? Does it feel good to touch? Can you imagine yourself wearing this fabric? Does it have a place in your wardrobe? Right? Does it duplicate something you already have? Do you maybe have a black maxi dress already and don't need another, even though this is the greatest black fabric you've ever found? Like we can narrow down, narrow down our selections until we land on a single fabric. That will be the fabric to end all fabrics. But what if, what if we don't have the benefit of a project? What if we don't know what we want to make when we show up at the fabric store? This is where I hope, I hope that if you're new to sewing, that I, I'm laying some groundwork. I want to offer you some questions to consider when you are selecting your fabrics. But if maybe you are not new to sewing, this is where I hope that it starts your brain thinking in new ways. That we can be intentional, analytical, strategic about the fabrics we purchase, even when we don't have a specific project in mind. 
So I let's say there. So there are some stores around town that are independent um, fabric stores, like uh, garment fabric stores. I go there when I know I want to make garments and select fabrics based on <laughs> based on what appeals to me. Like, what, did I see something pretty? Ooh, pretty. Let's buy that. Um, and you go inside and it, it's just walls and walls and walls and walls of fabric. And it can be really difficult to know where to begin. Like, where do I even start? Do I just like look for stuff that appeals to me? Here's the danger in that. Again, in my experience, when you start just by looking at what appeals to you, you tend to be drawn to the same stuff over and over. And it isn't strategic any longer because maybe I have four black maxi dresses hanging in my closet. Maybe I do. Um, if I go in there without any sort of, you know, like, meta-analysis of my tastes and preferences, it's really easy to end up with the same stuff. Yards and yards and yards. Um, I made a ton of t-shirts for the League of Dressmakers recently. I made all these knit t-shirts and I pulled all these knits out of my storage bin. I had one storage bin in the closet and everything in there was a knit or, you know, some sort of jersey or bamboo or you know, all these knits so that I could make t-shirts. Four of them were black. Four of them were black. Um, because I'd purchased yardage of these knits at a time when I was like, oh, black. <laughs> so I ended up with a bunch of the same stuff. So let's say I'm shopping and I have no project in mind. I have no plan. I'm here with no plan. If I can become more conscious of my preferences as a dressmaker, as someone who sews garments, then I can plan more fully for a fuller wardrobe. If I know that I love linen and wear a lot of linen, then when I go in the store and I think, oh, where do I start? Well, let's start with linen. I adore linen. I love linen. I love rayon. Um, I like hmm, really, really sheer, lightweight, floaty cottons. Those are the places that I tend to go first. And so it helps me narrow down where where I'm doing most of my shopping. If I know that my gar my closet rather has <laughs> I'm not even going to say a number. It has a lot of maxi dresses. Um then when I go to the fabric store, I can say, "You know what I don't have? I don't have a lot of bottom weight skirts. I don't have a lot of capri pants, right?" If I'm a, if I'm familiar with and intentional about strategic about the clothing that I sew, then I can have sort of a, a mindfulness about what I will use, what I won't use, and where there might be gaps in my wardrobe, so that when I go to the fabric store, I can eliminate some options right out of the gate, and I don't even have to look in those sections, right? Um, the other way that you can think about that, the other perspective you can have on that is not, I know what I like, and so when I go to the fabric store, that is the first place I go. Rather, you can say, I know what I like, and I always go there first, and so I will go somewhere different today. That if you are really aware, mindful about your preferences, then you can have a better sense of, you know what, I always buy this. What if I try something different? What if I mix it up? You're going to have some misses that way. 
right? You might say, you know, I never buy pink. So today I'm buying pink and get it home and never sew with it and discover that you don't buy pink because you don't like pink. Or you might sew with it and put it on and realize, oh, I can't wear this anywhere. This doesn't fit into my life at all. Pink isn't going to do the trick, right? You might have some misses that way. But as a result of those, you really learn a lot about who you are, what you want, what fits into your life, which ultimately leads to you wasting less because you've narrowed down your ideas about what makes sense for you. And you've become a little more conscious of what brings you joy, what rewards you, what fits into your life, um, and, and where you get the most benefit out of sewing for yourself. I would argue this applies to quilting cottons as well. Some folks go into quilting and they think, you know, I don't have to think about that stuff anymore. I don't have to think about what works with my skin tone. I don't have to think about the fabric weight. I don't have to think about any of it. And I have watched shopper after shopper after shopper go in and purchase, uh, you know, a half yard bundle of a particular collection. But then they've got like 65 of those half yard bundles at home and they never use them. You know, because the, the quilt patterns that they lean toward maybe are minimalist. And what they really need are some scraps and a lot of background fabric. So a half-yard bundle doesn't serve them. So don't buy those, right? Or you end up with lots of half-yard bundles that are going to go to waste. And the way I started thinking about that when I did own a retail shop was every half-yard bundle I purchase can't be purchased by someone else who might really love it and turn it into a quilt that becomes this treasured touchstone for their family. So in a way, it's actually incredibly selfish to, to take that opportunity from someone else. And the way to avoid that is not by saying it's selfish to buy fabric for myself. Of course it's not. Why would it be? Instead, be mindful of where can I put this to best use for me and my family and by extension, you know, the world beyond right? All right. Last thing how to shop for fabric is ask for help. In particular, at uh, your local quilt shop, you will invariably find employees who are passionate, who are invested, engaged, enthusiastic, and rather than it's sort of uh, like it's, uh, it's counterintuitive, but the newer you are to sewing, the more likely an employee at a local quilt shop will be elated to help you shop for fabric. There is a special kind of joy that comes from inviting something, someone into something you love. Um, and so rather than being intimidated, going to someone and saying, hey, you know, uh, this is my first time in your store and I haven't been sewing for very long. I have an idea for something I want to make, but I don't know where to start. Rather than feeling like, ah, oh, they're going to know, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not experienced, they're going to make fun. No, they are going to be so excited for you. They're going to be so excited for you. And, and dare I say, at the risk of making this sound like a hot take, dare I say, if you go to a local quilt shop, a local fabric shop, and you ask for help, and they are anything other than like ridiculously enthusiastic, like over the top enthusiastic about helping you, find another local quilt shop. Because the ones where you connect with the people in the store and they take on the joy of sharing with you something they're passionate about, those are the ones worth 
worth taking your money. They're, they're the ones that are, it's worth investing in them so they can invest back in you. It becomes this virtuous cycle that I believe in so strongly. So, so there we go. Uh, we're going to go into fabric shopping with the attitude that either I'm in this very specifically to make one project and I'm going to use that to narrow down, narrow down, narrow down my options from where to shop, how wide the fabric is, how many yards I need, what the fiber content is, how to care for it, where it was made, you know, narrow down, narrow down, narrow down um, because I know what project I'm making. Or I don't know what project I'm making, but I know enough about myself that when I go to the fabric store, I can be strategic about what I buy. Um, oh, and I should have mentioned, because I get this question all the time, um, how many yards of fabric do I buy if I don't know what I'm going to make? The answer is three. That's the answer. <laughs> I get that question all the time. Um, how many yards of fabric should I buy if I don't know what I'm going to make with it? The answer is three. Um, and on that note, I hope you enjoy your happy fabric shopping. If you have more to suggest, if I left a gap or overlooked an idea, will you please let me know? You can comment on the podcast or you can come to my website whip-stitch.com and leave a comment there. I'd love to hear what other tips and tricks you have for fabric shopping. Have fun sewing. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. With weekly videos, more than 250 videos in our archive, PDF downloads, sewing guides, sew-alongs, community, and teams, come and find your people at the League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of dressmakers.com. <laughs>